God is good. All the time, God is good. Will you pray with me? Father, we've sung about the beauty of your name. How magnificent, how wonderful, how beautiful you are. And God, now we're assembled as a body of Christ with fellow brothers and sisters. And Father, we just want to turn vertical. We want to turn our heart, our attention, our affection to you. Father, now as we come before you, we ask and pray that you would fill us with your presence. Father, for all our many shortcomings and failures and sins, we pray for your forgiveness. Father, as we look into your word today, help us to understand something that will be transformative. Help us not just to have information, but help us to have transformation as we leave this place today. And we say a special blessing on all the churches that are gathered around the world. Millions and millions of believers, God, that you would just empower them and encourage them as well today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I heard a story about a man that was addicted to donuts. And every day he had this favorite bakery. And you know when the hot and now sign would come up. He just kept on pulling in and having his favorite donut of choice. And he decided one day, you know what, I've got to take a different route to work because every, every day on my r- r- way to work, I stop by and I get a donut and I'm starting to get a donut in the middle here. I need to lose a little weight. So he decided to take a different route and that worked for a while. Every, every day he passed, he went in a different route. He didn't pass by, so he didn't eat that morning donut. And one day he just started driving and you know how you can get an autopilot, you forget where you're going. So he went back to his old route and he said, maybe the Lord's blessing this. Maybe he's given me a sign. So he's like, I'm just going to keep driving. I'm going to take this as a sign from God. So he passed by the donut shop and he said, unless there's an open parking space, I'll just keep going. So he kept going. And after the eighth time he circled around, there was an open parking space. And he decided this must be a sign from the Lord. So he pulled in and had his favorite donut. So today we're going to talk about the subject of temptation. And the question we're going to ask and hopefully answer is, is it possible to overcome temptation on a daily basis? We know that as humans, we fall short of God. And the Bible says we all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. But can you on a day-to-day basis overcome the power and the seduction of temptation? So a little preview today, we're going to look at the temptation of Christ, how he was tempted. And from his temptation, we're going to discover three principles. Two are more general principles about temptation. And the third principle will be a key to help us unlock the seduction of temptation. So who's ready to jump into God's word? Say amen or uh uh-huh. Okay, we're going to be in Luke chapter four. And for those who are visiting with us today, we're so glad you're here. Uh, We go verse by verse through the Bible, and we're in Luke chapter 4, and I hope you guys are enjoying this study. So we're going to pick up in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Now, before we read verse 3, can you imagine not eating anything for 40 days? I can barely go 40 minutes sometimes without eating, much less 40 days. I mean, that's like, wow. So notice after 40 days, verse 3, And the devil said to him, 
if you are the Son of God. Command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered and said, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him up to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And the Lord blessed the reading of his word. So here we face the temptation of Christ. And a lot of times we think, you know, if I'm filled with God's spirit, I won't be susceptible to temptation. But here you have Jesus who was filled with the spirit and was still tempted. So don't think that you're ever exempt from temptation, no matter what age or stage of life or of the Christian journey. So today, if you look at your listening guide, I want to give you three timeless truths that will help you. My heart in today's message is to rediscover what Jesus went through in temptation. And out of this, draw some things that will help you and I. Because how many of you realize you're going to be tempted pretty much on a daily basis? You're either coming into a temptation or coming out of a temptation. We are tempted constantly. So the first truth I want to present is you are most susceptible after a great high in your life. You are most susceptible after a great high in your life. If you look at verse 1, what was going on here? Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, he had just been baptized. And all of a sudden, this, this, this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes out. And the Holy Spirit symbolizes, looks like a dove, which symbolizes peace. And God being gentle. And it's amazing how the voice of God comes out. What does the voice of God say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus had experienced the high. He had just been baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He got the approval of God visibly in front of other people. They're like, wow, I heard God's voice. So realize after you experience a great high, there's often a great low that follows it. If you'll follow along on your listening God, I give you three case studies. The first one is Joseph. We know in the Old Testament, Joseph was a guy that had a lot going for him. He was the favorite son, which, by the way, parents, that's not a good thing. He was the favorite son. His father had given him a coat of many colors. And you remember at 17, Joseph said, I have a dream. And it was this great dream that all his brothers and sisters are bowing down to him. And my advice to Joseph, if you have that dream, don't tell that to your brothers and sisters. They probably won't like it. But he had all this great calling, this great destiny. And the next thing he knew after that great high, he found himself in a pit. Then he was falsely accused of something he didn't do, and he found himself in prison. And 13 years later, 13 years passed, 
And it's not until he's at 30 and beyond that he sees God restore him back to the destiny that he had told him at 17. So he was at a great high, and then he hit rock bottom. But did Joseph pass his test? I would say yes. He, he avoided temptation. When Potiphar's wife came after him, he ran. He passed the test. Case study number two, David. We all know King David's story. He had fought with and slain, what was that big giant's name? Goliath. Thank you, class. Goliath. And, I mean, he was just like the hero of Israel. And you remember the ladies were singing songs? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And he was the man. Everyone loved David. But in that high, one, one, one season when kings went off to war, he decided to, you know, I'm going to be a little lazy. And he was walking around on his rooftop. And then all of a sudden, there was Bathsheba. He was tempted. Did David pass this, the temptation or did he fail? Obviously, he fell. And he took out the life of um, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, and it was just a, a huge disaster. Case study number three, I really like Elijah. He was such a wild man, full of life. All these miracles. He had predicted that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. He had stood up to 850 false prophets. You had the false prophets of Baal and the false prophets of Ashtoreth. And he had stood up to them. And after that Mount Carmel experience, when the fire came down and consumed the offering, all of a sudden, Elijah finds himself tired. And you remember what happened? One woman, what was her name? Jezebel. She said, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah, after overcoming 850 False prophets, he ran from one woman. And he found himself tired and depressed. And you know what God did? God strengthened him. God said, get up and eat. And God gave him a new calling and a purpose. So after a great high, after a great spiritual experience, be careful. Because usually what comes after that is either a trial or a temptation, as we've seen in these case studies. So whenever you're flying high, be careful that you don't stumble. If you stay humble, you can avoid the stumble. So the first key principle to really look at is be careful. If you are at a good place in your life, be careful, because usually after a great high, you're susceptible to temptation. What does the scripture say? He that thinks he stand, take heed, lest he fall. The second principle is this. Satan has a strategy for you to stumble. Satan has a strategy. If you look at verses 2 through 13... Satan is tempting Jesus over this course of 40 days. He's watching him. And if you, the temptations we just read about in verses 3 through following, he waited till Jesus was very, very hungry before he laid out these three particular temptations. I was reading a story about a warm day in Chicago. The, the guy's name was Craig, and he was, had this um, party for lunch. And about 12 of his employees came over and they were having a little lunch party. And out of nowhere, in this pretty warm Chicago day in September, a bee flew through the window. And they were all, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? There's a bee. And the bee flew on the food. And one of the co-workers, a lady, grabbed a bottle of, of grape juice. It was sparkling grape juice. And she put it right next to the bee. And Craig said, I thought that the bee would fly off like a butterfly. Very scared because... 
afraid that they would, you know, kill the bee. But the bee went straight down the bottle. And what did the co-worker do? She put the top on and screwed it on. Now, let me ask you a question. Did the co-worker um, put the bottle out because she cared about the bee? Did she want the bee to have something to drink and enjoy it? Or did she want to capture and trap and control the bee? And I think that story is analogous or illustrative of this. Satan doesn't like us at all. He actually wants to capture and control us. So he lures us with things that he knows that we like. And he does that in order not to make our life better, but to capture and control us. And we see that. So when the tempter comes, be more like a butterfly and not like a bee. We have to flee. So what is Satan's timeless strategy? If we look at this passage, it's something that emerges. It's a pattern that Satan uses throughout time. Now, I have to confess, when the Lord showed this to me, I was a teenager. I was about 15 or 16, so I give the Lord complete credit. But one day in my devotional time, I was about 15, the Lord took me to Genesis 3-6. And I have that in your listening guide. And as we read this on your listening guide, I want you to look at this temptation that Jesus went through. This is Adam and Eve in the garden. It says, when the woman saw the tree was good for food. Now, what was Jesus' first temptation in the story? To change the stone into bread. And after not eating for 40 days, do you not think that stone looked awfully good for food? Read on with me. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. What was Jesus' second temptation in this passage? The cities of the world. Satan showed them in a moment of time, all of them very alluring and seductive to the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise. The third temptation, Satan took Jesus up to the highest point of the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. Why would he do that, you ask? Well, the idea was that was one of the busiest places in town. And if Jesus would throw himself down and the angels would catch him, that would be a shortcut to success. That would be a way of saying, look, here's the Savior. Satan was encouraging Jesus to take the shortcut. You don't need the cross. Why don't you just jump down and everyone will see what kind of Savior you are when the angels rescue you. And you're like, okay, Timothy, that may be coincidental. Well, look at, the, look at the other scripture, 1 John 2, 16. It's the exact same order. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, good for food, right? The lust of the eyes, the cities of the world, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So here we see Satan's strategy from Genesis to Jesus all the way through scripture. He tempts us in these three areas. I love how the New Living Translation translates 1 John 2, 16. It says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and the pride in our own achievement and possessions. These are not from the Father, but these are from the world. So let's talk about the three temptations, or three areas of temptations, that Jesus went through, and let's see if there's a parallel what you face on a daily basis. The first one is this, the lust of the flesh. Turn this stone into bread. The idea was this. Jesus was God in the flesh. And if he wanted to, he could have tapped into his divine powers. And he could have turned that stone into bread. The idea was, Jesus, use your power for your own self-gratification. So look at our world today. Imagine a world today. Let, I'm going to talk to the men for a second. Imagine men, if you could make all the money in the world. So you could buy your favorite yacht, you could buy your favorite house, you could buy anything you wanted. 
Wouldn't that be a temptation to be like a kid in the candy store? Whatever you want, it's yours. Use your power and use your ability to get whatever you want, even at the detriment of your soul. I think this temptation, we would say, today exists in the form of materialism. It's the American idea that if you have stuff, it'll make you happy. But all of us who have stuff know that stuff doesn't make you happy. Only the Savior can give you satisfaction. I was told this as a child and as a teenager, and it stuck with me ever since. But my teachers would say, you have a Christ-shaped, cross-shaped void. And only Jesus Christ, only what he did on the cross can fill that void. Nothing can fill it. Stuff can't do it. And I found that to be true. Only Christ can fill that void we have in our life. Can I get an uh-huh? All right, the next one is the lust of the eyes. Rule the cities of the world. Now, can you imagine Jesus who created the world and all of a sudden Satan says, hey, I'll give you this. And that, that confuses a lot of Bible scholars. But I think perhaps the simplest explanation is this. Satan, the Bible says, is the god of this age of the small g. He's temporarily in charge. And you're like, well, how is that? Well, since Genesis 3 on, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world and they basically said, you know, we're not following God. We're following after the ways of this world. We're following after the devil. Now, obviously, God came in and he's been restoring it. But the Bible says Satan is the small God, the small G of this world. God's ultimately going to come back and take over everything when there's a new heaven and new earth. So when Satan says, I'll give you this, he's given partial truth. Now, what is he leaving out? It's only temporary, right? He can't give it to, to, to anyone long term. And do you know he's actually going to give this to somebody else and he'll say yes? When the Antichrist comes in the book of Revelations, he's going to say you can have this. And what is he going to do? He's going to rise up and, and follow after Satan. But Jesus resisted the temptation because he knew it wasn't about the cities of the world. It was about dying for the cities of the world. It wasn't about ruling the cities of the world. It was about serving the cities of the world. Jesus knew, I'm not going to take a shortcut. I'm not going to take a shortcut to what God wants. So let me talk to the ladies. The funny thing is when we talk about lust of the eyes, we think of men. But ladies, imagine you're, you're going down the grocery store. You're in Harris Teeter. You're in Ingalls. And um, all of a sudden, you see a guy, and I'm talking to married ladies now, you see a guy that looks like George Clooney. Now, it, for the younger ladies, let me give you another one. Leonardo DiCaprio. For the really young ladies, Justin Bieber. Okay, you see, you know, pick your guy of choice. Is it wrong to notice a handsome man at the grocery store, ladies? No, it's not wrong to notice. It's when it's the second notice. It's when it's the third notice. It's when you take out your phone and you take a picture of George Clooney, Justin Bieber. It's when you start following him down the aisle and you strike up a conversation. That's when temptation becomes the sin. And the same is true for us guys, like... When we talk about temptation, here's where Satan trips you up. He will make you think that the temptation itself is the sin. That's not the sin. It's when you go after it, then it becomes the sin. So ladies, if you see George Clooney, just say, thank you, Lord, for a handsome man, and keep going. Don't look a second time. <laughs> All right, let's continue on. The lust of the eyes. Martin Luther, he once said, you can't stop a bird from flying above your head but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. In other words, temptations, you've got to take those thoughts captive. Don't let the devil whisper that it's, it's your thought. Say, get behind me, Satan, and move on. Amen. You ladies are still laughing about the George Clooney. All right, get your mind off George Clooney. 
The third temptation is the pride of life. In other words, you can take a shortcut to success. You can, you can have instant success, instant fame, Jesus, if you'll just cast yourself down. And doesn't the devil do that to us today? Doesn't he tell us to take the shortcut to what we want? I mean, we, we live in like the Burger King generation, have it your way, right away, right? I mean, it's like this is the way the world is. So how many of us struggle with that? Can you remember back when you were a student in school? What was the shortcut to success? Don't study for the test. Cheat. And you can, you can get by. Or, I remember middle school, high school, college, the big temptation, for those of you middle school, high school, college students, the big temptation is be popular. Even if you have to do something compromising your values, if it'll, if it'll make you popular, go for it. What about single adults? What's the temptation? I used to be a singles pastor back in the day. Some of you didn't know that in Texas. And my ministry was everyone single. It was single, divorcees, and it was a great ministry. The temptation for them was to skip commitment and go straight to intimacy. You can have whatever pleasure you want right now. You don't need commitment. Just go for it. What about for working adults? I'm part of that category. For those of us who have careers and jobs, the temptation is... You can go after what you want, even if you don't have the money. All you need is a credit card, extreme debt. And we live in such a debt-laden society. You don't have the money, it's okay, take out a loan. And I'm not saying those things in times aren't valid, but I'm saying there's an abuse of it to where we go after whatever pleasure we want and we take the shortcut. What about seniors? You didn't think I was going to skip you guys, did you? It's great to retire from your job, but you never retire from the Lord. God wants us to give 100% till the day we die. And what better example than the Reverend Dr. Billy Graham? He passed away at 99 years old. And he spoke to live audiences. The, the, the most accurate count I could come up with was 215 million people. Now think about that. Live audience, two, 215 million. 185 countries. And this doesn't count his books. This doesn't count his movies or television broadcasts. Or that's just live audiences. Until the moment he couldn't do ministry anymore, he kept going. So here's the thing with senior adults I would encourage you. Whenever you retire, it's time to refire. When you retire, it's time to get on fire for God once again. Because now you have more time. And hopefully you have more wisdom than you ever had when you are younger. And us younger people, we need a little bit of that. And everyone under 40 said, Amen. So... Satan basically says, you can take the shortcut. And a lot of the things that Satan tempts us with are valid things. Like, is it valid to eat food? Absolutely. But doing it in our own way. Is it valid to have great relationships and intimacy? Yes. But Satan wants us to take the easy way out instead of God's way. And here's the thing. If you do it God's way, it's so much more lasting. It's so much more significant than if you do it the world's way. Can I get an Amen. So the temptation of Jesus gives us an insight into Satan's strategies and tactics. Look at your listening guide, 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Apostle Paul tells us, we know Satan's strategies. They're the same throughout time. I read recently about the alligator snapping turtle. Hopefully some of you have never ran into this turtle. It lives in our region on the southeast coast. But this snapping turtle can weigh up to 250 pounds. 
And it eats usually fish, but in some cases it's even known to eat small alligators, thus the name alligator snapping turtle. Now what's interesting, it has a deceitful deceitful way of fishing. You'll notice in the picture it's got this little thing on its tongue that looks like a worm. And the alligator snapping turtle will lay flat on the bed of a, a lake or an area where there's going to be fish around, and it'll try to lay still, and you notice it blends in with the, the territory. And you won't be able to see it except for on the tip of its tongue is this appendage that looks like a worm. And the, the turtle will wave that worm-looking appendage until an unsuspecting fish will come by. And the next thing the fish knows, it's lunch. Finding Nemo, sorry, Nemo's gone. <laughs> it's lunch. And you know the thing about it is Satan often comes like this turtle. We don't suspect we're being tempted. We don't sometimes realize it until we just rush head on into the bait. And sometimes it's too late. So I think if we look at Jesus' temptation, it allows us to be aware, okay, I'm being tempted, but you know what? I haven't given in yet. I haven't taken the bait. It starts with a thought, and then it becomes something you yield to, and eventually... It grows up into a full-blown sin. James says it like this, that whenever lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full-blown, gives birth to death. Number three, and this is really the key that helps us. The first two principles are very practical and general, but this this is a key. Jesus always provides a way of escape in every temptation. If you look at verse 1, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. My advice to everybody, I would not encourage anyone to be tempted without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one who helps you say no to temptation and yes to God. And if you look at verses 4, 8, and 12, Jesus was tempted three times in these particular verses. And in three times, Jesus responded with, it is written, it is written. So a few things about Jesus to really encourage you is... Number one, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, he was fasting. This is not on your notes. You can just write it down. He was fasting. And he was really in connection with God. He was in that mindset before he went into temptation. Now, how many of us, if we're honest, we start the day off, let's be honest, we skip our quiet time, we go to work, someone's already cut us off in traffic, uh, we're already on the wrong side of the bed, and then we're tempted, but... We're not really filled with the Spirit. We're not really have time with God. Now, are we going to be more likely to overcome the temptation or less likely? I would propose to you less likely. So that's what I encourage everybody. Spend time with God every day. Ask His Spirit to fill you because the Holy Spirit, He is the one that empowers you to say no to temptation. If you're not full of the Holy Spirit, it's easy to say yes to temptation. I was reading a story... um, this is two years before I was born. Does anybody remember when Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980? Okay, I was born in 82, so this is before my time. But there, there's a story. Um, he was a guy that lived in the area. His name was Harry Randall Truman. Harry Randall Truman. He became a folk hero. Anybody remember this guy? He was on the news, and he became popular for his speeches. And basically the speech was this. I don't know if the volcano is going to erupt. But I'm going to hold my ground. I survived World War I when, the, when my ship was sunk. And I'm not going to worry what these scientists say about this volcano. Because, see, they had given a two-month notice to say, you need to get away because this volcano is showing activity that it may erupt. You need to get away. 
But this guy ranted and raved and said, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. So on May the 18th, 1980, Truman in his lodge that he ran was buried beneath 150 feet of mud and debris from the volcano eruption. His body was never found. And here's the sad thing about that story. He had survived so much in his life, as I said, in World War I. The ship was sank that he was a part. He survived that. But in this particular case, he had a clear warning for two months. Get out. Get out. The volcano is going to erupt. And guess what? I'm not going to get out. Did you know that in every temptation, the Bible says there's always a way out? And many of us are like, I, I, just like this gentleman here, I'm not, I don't care. And we end up covered in decisions. We make decisions and then our decisions make us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says it like this. No temptation has taken you except what is common to mankind. But listen to this. God is faithful. He will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So here's the good news about temptation. You ever hear the saying, the devil made me do it? He can't make you do anything. Because when Jesus Christ rose from the dead... He stripped Satan of all his authority and power. We read that in the book of Colossians. Satan has no authority over the believer. So he doesn't have to make you sin. So the good news is every temptation, there's always a way out. Once you step out, you can step into God's purpose. If you stay into temptation, you're choosing to step into darkness instead of light. Step out of darkness so that you can step into light. Step out of temporary pleasure so that you can step into eternal purpose. Once you step out of temptation, you step into God's purpose. Amen? So just by way of application, I want to give you five simple strategies that will help you. We, we talked about three principles, but here's some strategies on a practical, very basic level that will help you. The first one is this. We've alluded to this already. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 1, it says, Jesus was filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Many times, even as a believer, instead of being full of God, we're full of ourselves. And we're, if we're full of ourselves, guess what? We want to continue to be full of ourselves. And temptation is easy. So instead of being full of you, be full of God's Spirit. The second practical application is this. The best decision is a pre-decision. Pre-decide before you get into the temptation. Let me ask you just a, a general observation. Do you think Jesus had decided beforehand that he would never sin? Absolutely. He, he was God, right? He had decided that in his humanity, as the God-man, he would not sin. Now, can we make a predecision that if we're tempted with certain things that we will not do it? Yes. Does that mean we're always going to be perfect? No. But the best decision is a predecision. I used to be a youth pastor for many years, and I would always tell the youth, listen, when you get into temptation with, with someone else, you know, talking about intimacy, You've got to pre-decide before you get into the moment. Because when you get in the heat of the moment, it's easy to do what you know you shouldn't do. You've got to decide beforehand. And the same is true for us. Make a pre-decision. The third thing is this. Know when you're most vulnerable to fall. We've talked about this before, but HALT. This comes from Alcoholics Anonymous. I've stolen this from, from their book. But it's so good. HALT. Whenever you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Which, which one are you most susceptible? Or is it when you're hungry? Because some of you get grouchy and irritable when you get hungry. Okay, you're pointing your spouse. What about when you're angry? Have you ever said something that you regret that you never could take back because you're angry? Some of us are just so lonely. We just feel alone. 
And you, never, you ever heard the saying, idleness is the devil's workshop? I think there's some truth to that. And for me, it's being tired. Whenever I get tired, I'm most susceptible. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the best thing you can do, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do when you're tired is get a good night's sleep. Just go to bed. Go to bed early. Get a good night's rest. I hear amen for that. So you look at Jesus. He was hungry. You know, obviously God was with him, but he was alone in the wilderness. And do you think he was tired after not eating for 40 days? I mean, we are all susceptible, so we have to know those pressure points. The fourth practical application is focus on specific Bible verses that will apply to all your areas of weakness and temptation. Every time Satan tempted, Jesus said what? It is written. So here's the thing. If you, if you struggle with anxiety, memorize scripture that pertain to anxiety. Things like God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If you struggle with depression, memorize scriptures that talk about depression. Weeping may endure for a nighttime, but joy comes in the morning. Casting all your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. If you struggle with temptation um, with, with concerning intimacy, memorize verses like 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, purity, etc. Those who call upon the Lord have a pure heart. So whatever your struggle is, memorize scripture that pertain to that struggle. And that will help give you victory. But it's not just memorizing the Scripture. One point I really want to make clear, it's submitting yourself to the Scripture. A lot of times we'll quote Scripture day in, day in and day out, but if we're not living by it, if we're not submitting to it, the power comes when we're yielded to the Word of God. A lot of times we'll just try to quote Scripture and think that's going to do it, but you have to be humble and be willing to yield to the Scripture that you're quoting. Because the truth is, Christians, how many of us know more than what we're willing to already do? Pretty much all of us, right? So whatever you know, be willing to put it into practice. Be willing to come up under God's Word. And finally, this is kind of a big picture mentality. Live for eternity and not just for the fleeting moment. The, the nature of temptation is Satan provides a, a time and a place and an opportunity and we, we, we yield to it. But if Jesus would have surrendered to each of those things, he would have missed the big picture. But we know Jesus is God, so he knew the big picture. But Jesus looked at the big picture. Okay, the cities of the world, guess what? I'm going to be ruling those cities of the world one day. It's just not right now. Okay, bread. Did Jesus eat food later on? Absolutely. But that wasn't the right time. He had to depend upon his heavenly Father. So in the same way, Satan will tempt you with certain things. And he'll say, you can have it now. You can have it right away. And you don't need to sacrifice. You don't need to struggle. Just do it now. But Jesus would say, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. But it's in His timing, not in your own. So live for eternity. So look on your listening guide, a little insight into temptation. Temporary gratification equals long-term consequences. But temporary sacrifice leads to long-term rewards. And just... Final thought and conclusion before we review. Something that really helps you on an emotional level is whatever you're going through right now, yesterday or tomorrow, Jesus has gone through it. And He cares about you and He understands what you're going through. You might want to write this on your listening guide. It's Hebrews 4, 14-16. It says, Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, 
Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. So whatever you're struggling with, Jesus fills it. He sympathizes with you. But was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So every temptation you can think of, the Bible says, in all things Jesus was tempted. And the author of Hebrews says it like this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So the author of Hebrews says it like this. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Pray about it. So whenever you're tempted, don't feel like you're the only one being tempted. People all around the world are facing temptations. It's just what you do to it. So just to review, we've learned three timeless principles. The first one was this. You are most susceptible after a great high in your life. So if you're, if you're on cloud nine, that's great, but be careful. Because usually after a great high is either a temptation or a trial. Number two, Satan always has a strategy for you to stumble. So what you need to do is put on the full armor of God. Be prayed up. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ready because Satan is, has a strategy. And finally, Jesus always provides a way of escape in every temptation. He has no power or authority over the believer. So you can say no to temptation and yes to God. Your take-home truth to summarize it in a sentence is this. When you say yes to temptation, you are saying no to God's best. But when you say no to temptation, you are saying yes to God's best. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, how powerful and how true it is. Father, we ask and pray now for each person going through temptation, that you would help them. And right now where you're sitting at, as everyone's in a spirit of prayer, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this, but if there's someone struggling with temptation, maybe you've yielded to it, maybe you're living in a lifestyle of sin, whatever, just confess that to God. Say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm willing today to turn from my sin and turn to you. Even as a Christian, you can choose to turn back to God fully and totally. So as we pray, confess that to Him now. As everyone in a spirit of prayer, praying to the Lord, would there be anyone that would say, Timothy, you know, this whole thing about temptation, I've never thought a lot about it, but I realize I, I can't overcome it because I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ, the best way for you to get out of sin, the best way for you to have a new life is to ask Jesus to forgive you. So right where you're sitting, if you've never prayed to receive Christ, just slip up your hand. No one looking around but me. Timothy, I need to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, right where you're sitting, say, Jesus, I realize I'm powerless without your help. I pray that you would forgive me of all my sins. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that you were buried, and you rose on the third day to new life. And Jesus, I want new life. I don't want to live this old life anymore. I want to be a new creation in Christ. So Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. I make you my Lord, my Savior, my best friend. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we want to welcome you to the family of God. Father, we love you, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. This time, the usher is going to come forward. Uh, just a few announcements. Uh, something really exciting we're going to launch next week. You guys should be getting an email probably around Friday or Saturday. Um, the church is going to be giving everyone a free gift called Right Now Media. And this, has anybody ever seen Netflix before?
You know, some of you have seen Netflix. Well, this is like the Christian version of Netflix. It's got over 20,000 videos that you can watch pertaining to things of the Christian life. Uh, for those of you who have kids or grandkids, there's a kids' channel. And get this, there's 2,500 kids' videos that you can watch with your kids. So, I mean, we love it. We watch it almost every day. Uh, there's stuff for men's ministry, women's ministry, all of this. So, basically, we'll be sending you an email in the upcoming week. And March the 2nd, next Sunday, is the official launch of this. So, everyone in the church will have a free subscription. And you're also willing to share that if anyone else would like a you know, membership to this, the church is paying for everybody. It's a flat subscription. And basically, it's going to be something you can do on your own. And it's just really exciting. So I'll tell more details about it next week. But it's just an way of saying we love you guys. We want to pour into you. We want you to be passionate about the Lord and His Word. And this will be something you can watch anywhere you have Internet access, on your phone, at home, etc. So we're really excited about that. So at this time, we're going to pray over tithes and offerings. And following that, um, as this is going to be kind of, kind of a time of response, uh, Miss Judy's going to be at the front. I'll be at the front. Um, as you give, if you also have any prayer needs, we'll be here to pray for you as Ross plays for us. So if you will, please pray with me. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing. And Lord, I'm reminded of the scripture that says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Lord, I pray over each person here that we would be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for we know that our labor is not in vain. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. Father, we pray for all the people who are sick today. God, we know and we continue to pray for Crystal and we continue to pray for Arch and Eldon and Elizabeth and all our shut-ins. And Lord, you know all the names. We don't have time to lift up each one individually, but God, you touch those who are sick among us. You touch those who have went through surgery. And Father, I pray a special blessing on each person that came today, that they would leave this place in a state of victory, knowing that they can overcome temptation on a daily basis. We love you. We pray you bless these tithes, these offerings, and the prayer time to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.